welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. What's up, sports fans? Welcome back to the AD's office where we take you through our takes. He's Alex. I'm Devin. And our office hours for week 13 officially open. Week 13. We really have no idea how the wild card games are going to line up. We don't even really know who's going to win their divisions yet. There are a couple teams that we're pretty confident in. Right. But overall, there's a lot left to be decided. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the only team that I think has clinched a playoff spot is the Philadelphia Eagles. Have they even gotten there yet and they have the best record? Not clinched. Not clinched, but... Mathematically, the Carolina Panthers cannot make the playoffs. Right. And that is the only mathematic certainty through 13 weeks. You know what? I think you're right, actually. I think outside of that... We have our first clinching scenarios this upcoming week. The Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys could all clinch this week if they get a lot of help from around the league. Yeah, still a lot of dominoes that need to fall, but Panthers, looking to 2024. No one's surprised. Yep, yep, they sure are. They are not playing great. They are going to be looking for a new head coach, and uh, Bryce Young, I'm sure, has several headaches. Several, several headaches. And it's interesting because you look at a team like Carolina and you wonder what went wrong. Everything. Yeah, it's bad talent. It's bad roster management. It was probably some bad coaching. Yep. Over-involved owner. We've gotten into that before. Yep. But one thing that's interesting to me is if you look at the luck of teams, and so factoring in things like the fumble recoveries or dropped passes or missing chip shot field goals, making ridiculous field goals, interceptions, dropped interceptions. If you factor in the luck, the Panthers are a very average team, really not having a lot of bad breaks against them, really not having anything bouncing their way. So they just truly are neutral bad. Yeah, and I mean... We and everyone knows that luck plays a piece in the NFL, particularly when it comes to injuries. How many times is it the most healthy Mm -hmm. of the good teams ends up winning the Super Bowl? It's not always the best team talking to you, you know, Patriots and Giants. Mm -hmm. The best team doesn't always win or the worst team in the Super Bowl doesn't always lose. Yeah, sometimes it's just who has the healthiest roster when the playoffs hit. And sometimes luck is... The difference between those one-score games. Definitely. And I know some people want to say that luck is not a factor. No way. They're wrong. They're wrong. The Have you ever dropped a football and just watch how it bounces? There are lucky bounces. Sometimes it bounces toward you. Sometimes it bounces away from you. And that makes it infinitely easier or more difficult to recover a fumble. That's just part of it. Totally. The sport that we're talking about doesn't have a spherical ball. It moves a lot. It's a little bit of luck. It is interesting. Personally, the unluckiest team this season, or certainly in the bottom by any metric, the Minnesota Vikings have just gotten absolutely abused. Nothing's going their way. The luckiest team, or certainly one of the luckiest teams, statistically has been the Green Bay Packers. The Vikings and Packers are both sitting at 6-6, six and six, and 
fighting for the same wild card spot, likely, behind the Lions in the NFC North. And it's crazy to see just the extremes of that luck spectrum could directly impact who makes the playoffs and who doesn't with those two teams. Yeah, as of today, they'd both be in, and the NFC North would be sending three teams, which would be, as NFC North fans, bittersweet because we want to be an awesome division, right? We think that that's going to make for some awesome football, and it it makes us viewed better by the rest of the NFL. I think I can yeah. speak for both of us in saying that's sweet. I think I can again speak for both of us in saying it kind of sucks because you want the other teams to be bad. You are definitely not wrong in that sentiment, and you're not alone in it. A few weeks ago when the Jaguars and Texans played, they asked Trevor Lawrence about playing against C.J. Stroud twice a year and what is that like. And Trevor had a very brutally honest take. said, you know, I think he's a great quarterback. It's you know fun to watch him play. But I wish that the quarterbacks in our division were terrible because it'd make two games out of the year a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, he hit it on the nose. I think he's totally right. It's a, the most honest take, and he's absolutely right. I would rather have the teams in the division be lousy because, hey, wins are wins. It makes for some really good football and good TV, and yeah, it's nice to maybe be talked about as one of the better divisions in the NFL. But yeah, it certainly also makes life harder. Yep. You just want to win. You just want to win. I will say, as we talked about, as of today, the Packers and Vikings, they're both in. Like you mentioned already, that's probably not going to end up happening. They're probably fighting for the same spot. They still have a game against each other. The Vikings still have two games against Detroit. Uh, It's going to come pretty much down to the wire. If I had to guess, the Rams are going to get in on that seventh seed, and one of the Packers or Vikings are going to get the sixth seed. But wow, yeah, you're totally right. There's pretty much nothing decided so far. That's kind of crazy. And that would also mean Seattle probably misses, and they looked like a playoff favorite. At one point, we thought they could challenge the 49ers for the division. And I'm going to say after this weekend, uh, nobody's challenging the 49ers for anything. Yeah, as far as win-loss record went, there was a time where we thought they would get challenged. And, you know, the 49ers, they they had that three-game skid streak. But nobody really thought that, right? Like, it was never totally in question. Uh Uh-uh. No, and we've talked about the Eagles all season as this team that we knew they were good, probably the best, weren't sure. But there was always something that we've both said just felt off with the Eagles. We never had that moment where it's like, okay, yeah, they're great. And we were waiting for them to have a reason to knock them down. 49ers came to town. We have our reason. It was, it was a beat down. Yeah, you're totally right. And I also think we maybe should have seen it coming because we also think that the Cowboys are in that kind of elite group this season. Yeah. But the more I think about it, I look back at our power rankings from this season. This is what you and I thought. Week one, we both had the 49ers number one. Week two, same thing. Week three, we both had them in the top three. Week four, we both had them number one. Week five, we both had them number one. Week six, we both had them top three. And over and over and over again. And yeah, yeah, the Eagles were always there too. But the 49ers dominated the Cowboys. And now the 49ers have dominated the Eagles. Let's just put them at number one again and leave it. 
It basically is. And we talked about the reality last year when a very similar Eagles and 49ers roster faced up. Brock Purdy got injured. Yep. Brock Purdy Brock Purdy wasn't the starter last season either. So he did not have a full season of practice reps under his belt. But he looked really good toward the end of last year. Got injured in the playoffs against the Eagles and that just we knew that wasn't the best the Niners had to offer. I still don't think we anticipated the Niners coming in into Philadelphia and putting up 42. You know, maybe we could have guessed that they would drop 30, 35, 40. But then you had to expect, oh, the Eagles probably also are going to drop in that range. Nope, pure mm. beat down. Didn't, didn't happen yeah. that way at all. Really put on display no. the Eagles' defense is not the same one as last year. And to his credit, Debo Samuel said that Eagles' secondary is not good. Yeah. Prior to the game, he came in. It was bulletin board material for sure. But he said, look, they're not good. He had four catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah. money where his mouth is. Yeah, he did. He personally, individually dominated. I will say I don't think he's right. I still think they're good. I think Darius Slay is easily a top five corner in the NFL. And Kevin Byard, who they traded for before the deadline we talked about, he's an all-pro. Yeah. But... Lots of people have come out and said this week since the game, they were scared to tackle. And Darius Slay has even talked about it on his own Twitter account. Hey, we weren't scared, but we weren't good enough. We sucked at tackling this week. And yeah, yeah. You, you were terrible at tackling this week. And I personally even have to eat my own words. I said I thought the Eagles were going undefeated the rest of the year. I think you had the 49ers winning this game. I've got to eat it. Yeah, I I felt like the Niners were the better team. But we've also seen if Purdy is off, if Williams is out, if Debo's out, the Niners are a very vulnerable team outside of their starters. But man, when the starters are in, they are just on a different planet. If they're a healthy team, then they are next level, unquestioned, the best team in football. Yeah. And credit to the Niners for leaning on their strengths. The big difference in this game because statistically, it was very similar. The Eagles had slightly more time of possession. They had identical penalty yards awarded on both sides. No turnovers on either team. It was a very true just battle of offenses against defenses back and forth. The difference was the rushing. The 49ers had 100 more rushing yards and double the the yards per rush as the Eagles and this is with an Eagles offensive line that we've said all season is a top three offensive line in the entire NFL. But Christian McCaffrey is just that impressive. And the thing is, is that it wasn't even all him. CMC, he had 93 yards and one touchdown on 17 carries. Yep. That's a good stat line. Not an oh, all-time sure. stat line. It's not. We've seen him do better this year. That's not me saying also it's true. bad, but it is. It's what you expect of a good game, not an amazing game. But then Brock yep. Purdy jumped right back to number one for the MVP favorite odds, tied with Dak Prescott, who's also playing amazingly, absolutely out of his mind right now. But Brock mm -hmm. had over 300 yards and four touchdowns. It's true, and no turnovers. That was a an issue for Brock for a few weeks. When the Niners were struggling, he was making some bad throws. Got rid of that this weekend. 
He's leading the MVP race. Here's here's my unapologetic take. If multiple guys on the same team are in the running for MVP, in this case it would be Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, then neither of them are actually the most valuable player. Yeah, I could absolutely not agree more. It reminds me a lot of the Rams a few years ago with Todd Gurley and Jared Goff, and that team also had Aaron Donald and Marcus Peters was playing out of his mind. I think he led the league in interceptions that year and all these different playmakers. If you've got you know a handful of guys in conversation for most valuable, then you can't really tell who's most valuable let alone most valuable for a league, let alone a team. Yeah. I don't think Purdy wins it. We have a lot of weeks left, and we'll see who separates in the MVP race. Right now, Purdy, Dak, Jalen Hurts obviously going to be in there. We had Lamar as the midseason MVP. Mahomes is going to get conversation just because he's Mahomes. He will always be in that conversation. Some unconventional options this year McCaffrey's going to get some chatter Tyreek Hill's going to get some chatter yeah if he goes over 2,000 receiving yards it's going to be hard not to give him some votes but I will say while I wouldn't vote for Brock Purdy personally right now he's leading the league in passer rating he's leading the league in yards per pass attempt he's leading the league in yards per pass completion he's leading the league in adjusted yards per pass attempt he's leading the league in passer completion passing touchdown percentage like 90 percent of the stats that say hey this guy's really good brock purdy has right now but you can't really give him the mvp yeah and if i can put a little bit of water on that fire for brock purdy the biggest one that i think is deceptive as a stat is the the yards the the passing yards the yards per attempt in this game alone just look at Debo. Two of Debo's receptions, two of his four, were touchdowns. They were both more than 40 yards off of screens or off of short slants. And so, yes, it's a 42, 46-yard completion for Brock Purdy, but he also threw it three yards, and Debo did the rest. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. That's how stats work. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the stats. That That's the name of the game. Also, give it some context it's not like he's airing it out you know 50 yards in the air with some of these big plays yeah yeah you're totally right I will say they aren't the number one or they're not even top three and most yards after catch in the league so it's not all of his yards are coming from that surprisingly who has actually had not great receivers this season the number one team in yards after catch this year the Kansas City Chiefs that's bizarre. Yeah, the Chiefs followed absolutely up. Absolutely bizarre. The Chiefs are followed up pretty closely by the Washington Commanders, and Sam Howell does lead the league in yards right now, so that's yeah. certainly contributing. And then the Buffalo Bills are sitting there with you know right around sixteen hundred yards after catch on the year. That's, that is really interesting. The other MVP favorite right now, Dak Prescott, and the Cowboys outlasted the Seahawks in. I can't decide if it was the best Thursday night game so far this season or if it was a bad game, but it's just more fun to watch bad games where they score a lot of points. Probably that, yeah. But Cowboys got the win, 41-35 over Seattle. It's a 
it's an important win for the Cowboys, and obviously it hurts the Seahawks' playoff chances. But Dak looked good. He had three TDs, and I think the Cowboys are on a 14-game home win streak at this point. Yeah, Dak has been absolutely dominant lately. If I was an AP voter, he'd probably get my vote right now. He's been incredible. Definitely has my vote today. Today. I I am skeptical always when it comes to the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, we've seen them implode. We already mentioned that 49ers game where they got manhandled. They They have some spots that they could certainly do better at too. Yeah. That game was interesting, though, against the Seahawks. It was a 41-35 final score, so a single possession, and the only real difference statistically in the game was a turnover. The Seahawks had one interception. Otherwise, it was basically even. They had very similar time of possession, very similar rushing yards, passing yards, first downs, plays run. The difference was... Gino gave the Cowboys an extra chance, and the Cowboys made him pay. Yeah, and that's kind of been the story of the Seahawks on either side of the ball this year, too. Or I should say either side of their wins or losses this year, too. Their win over the Lions was a coin flip and a pick six, you know? So mm. they, they've they certainly gotten it and dished it back out. Let's talk about your Lions. Were you nervous this weekend? Because I watched them against the Saints and genuinely thought the Saints were going to be able to close it out. I was never nervous. It was reminiscent of the Chargers game a few weeks ago. There were zero lead changes in this game. The Lions went up 21-0 seven minutes in. Oh, they yeah. They were pretty much in control the whole time. I will say their defense is obviously very lackluster and they need to get a lot more pressure. But I think I think they'll beat up on any bad team they play, and I think the Saints are a bad team. Yeah, I don't think the Saints are good. I think, what, are they a third in their division and probably the worst division in football? So yep. I don't think that's a huge challenge. But it was, it was interesting that the Lions kind of let them back in when, when you're up 21-0 in the first quarter, halfway through the first quarter. That is an opportunity to just obliterate them. You put them in the ground. And yeah, whether I don't know if it's a defensive issue or if it's a coaching issue or if it's a mentality. I'm not sure where there was a disconnect, but letting the Saints back into that game should never have happened. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I do think that there is something to worry about in that regard. I don't think that they're going to win many if any playoff games this year with the way they're currently playing however ah, gosh it's it's tough because you know that they're one of the upper echelon teams this season but yeah they're letting teams back into it you can look back at the first game against the Packers they were up you know something similar something like 20 points in the first period something like that or a uh, first quarter I mean but again, that those Packers, they got back in it in that game as well. Um, and what's really curious to me is that Ben Johnson is by far the number one head coaching candidate this cycle. He's the offensive coordinator for the Lions. Yeah. He took his foot off the gas. And I always wonder when teams do that, if it is a 
if if the issue is they start to play safe because you don't want to screw up or if it's an issue of not trusting your players to play with a lead there is a little bit of freedom to play from behind it's kind of like you know it can't be any worse so yeah go go for it you don't want to mess up and lose a lead and sometimes you see teams play like they're trying not to mess up instead of playing to just finish it yeah cut it loose man it's not like super enjoyable to watch a game that a team wins by 40 unless you're a fan of that team but even then like yeah post game you're super hyped up but during the second half are you really feeling like is it fun to continue to watch that you know maybe not but isn't it kind of nice to not have the stress of are we gonna lose yeah that's true that's true like you you could take a nap, wake up to a win. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely true pretty <laughs> often. I will say it wasn't true for the Colts this weekend. Minshew Mania. No. Minshew Mania. Yeah, the Colts and Titans. I, this one I'm not confused. I was confused with Seattle and Dallas if that was a bad game, good game. This one was a bad game, but, man, it's entertaining when teams take it to overtime. There's just something about the drama late game heroics and the Colts and Titans are both very average teams but it they made it exciting it was kind of fun to watch yeah and there was a bunch of wonky plays with like fumble recoveries and things and it was just a crazy game all around yeah I think Minshew summed it up I can't repeat the entire quote but when they asked him about it after he's like this is a tough team we find a way to win. It won't always be sexy, but get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And he's making a claim to say that he should continue to be maybe not a full-time starter somewhere, but he can be a fringe guy on pretty much any team Raiders or, you know, maybe the jets. They're all begging to have someone like Gardner Minshew right now. Oh, for sure. And the composure he had in overtime, because the Titans got the ball first. And with overtime rules, the first team scores a touchdown, it's over. But if you kick a field goal, which the Titans did, the other team has a chance. If the Colts turn it over or, you know, turn it over on downs, game's over and the Titans won with the field goal in overtime. But Gardner Minshew just marched down the field and got the TD. Yeah, he's... He's killing it. We all love the mustache and mullet. He's playing really, really good football. And really good football. You you obviously alluded to he might be the best backup in the entire NFL. I would say after this weekend, we have to also include Jake Browning in that conversation, which is, those aren't words I thought I'd ever say. Uh, Jake Browning was on the Minnesota Vikings roster during a training camp, and Outside of one almost infamous nighttime practice in which he destroyed the Vikings' defense, he was never anything special. Nice guy, but we knew he was never going to make it as a big-time name. But then Monday night, he looked like Joe Burrow for the Bengals. Yeah, he was slinging it. I will say there was a point in time where he had four completions for seven yards, it was a lot of screen passes, and Jamar Chase put up a 
highlight reel of a game. I think he had a couple touchdowns over 50 yards. I know there was one for sure, but man, he showed out to try and say, yeah, Joey B didn't make me. I made me. I'm 7-11. I'm always open. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Jamar's touchdown was 76 yards, and you're absolutely right. He is excellent all by himself. Does not need Burrow, but man, it's really nice to play with Burrow. For sure. Definitely true. And that was a big win for the Bengals, 34-31 in overtime over the Jaguars. It matters a lot because the Bengals stay alive in the playoffs and potentially a huge loss for Jacksonville because Trevor Lawrence exited early with an ankle knee injury. I think officially they announced it was a high ankle sprain. But anytime you lose a franchise quarterback to injury, regardless of how significant, it throws off everything with your game plan. Right. Yeah, you're totally nail on the head right there. And it it hurts the Jaguars because they're playing in the same division as this surging Texans team where CJ Stroud is debatably an MVP candidate right now. So it's tough loss for them, especially if Trevor Lawrence does end up missing some time for sure. On the flip side, was winning this game bad for the Bengals? You think so? I I wouldn't say it definitively is, but it kind of reminds me of Joe Burrow's first year in the league, tears his ACL, they are terrible for the rest of the year, they just had the number one draft pick, but now they have another top 10 pick, they get Jamar Chase, boom, instant Super Bowl contenders. Right. Now I'm thinking... Burrow out for the season. You could get an awesome O lineman to help out. Maybe you don't have that meme floating around the internet anymore about, you know, Joe Burrow getting tackled and Jamar Chase being open downfield. The same meme that, you know, we saw play out in the Super Bowl against the Rams. Yeah. It it might not have been the wisest decision to win these games. I get that from a pure analytics driven GM perspective. I also think the odds of a first round draft pick being genuinely great is like 50 50. Yeah. It's almost a coin flip. And I would be so nervous to tell a locker room, Hey, we don't really care if we win. It'll improve our draft stock if we don't. Because there are guys on that roster, most of the guys on that roster were not high draft picks. Right. Yeah. I don't, I've gone on record before to say I don't think that tanking in the NFL is particularly a real thing. Like, you're never going to be able to convince 53 guys, like you just mentioned, to go out there and not try anymore or try just enough to lose. Like, you're not going to get over several dozen guys to get on board with that. It's just not happening. Absolutely. And exhibit A of that, the Arizona Cardinals, who we all thought should have tanked this year if that was a thing, yeah. went out and upset the Steelers this weekend 24 to 10. That's not tanking. No, no it is not. And it was a bit of a James Conner revenge game. Sometimes I forget that Conner played in Pittsburgh, but going up against his former team, he ran for over 100 yards, had two touchdowns. On the flip side, the Steelers lose Kenny Pickett to an ankle injury, and he already had surgery. It is 
theoretically a quick recovery. Um, probably just misses this weekend, and then they'll evaluate. But I don't know. If you're the Steelers, it's a similar situation. Steelers and Bengals both missing their starting quarterback. Probably not a real Super Bowl threat, if we're being totally transparent in what they have on the line this year. Right. How hard do you push if you're the Steelers? You you lost a very bad loss. Yeah, I I don't think that you could ever have an open dialogue about it. Like, you're never going to come out and say, we're tanking. You're never going to officially have a stance. And yeah. I don't. I don't even think that behind closed doors you really even have that conversation with a coach and a GM. You maybe think about it like, man, we're not very good. This might work out for us. But I don't think you're ever truly actively trying unless it's like week 17 and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to lose this game to get the number one pick, you know. But, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Neither of them are really contenders. You have to think hard about, okay, if they end up missing out on an offensive tackle prospect or Malik neighbors, maybe for the, uh, the Steelers who could use some receiver help, especially if Deontay Johnson gets dealt or cut, uh, something's going to happen. If you just, as a football fan, the ramifications of that game, Kenny Pickett going down. It means Mitchell Trubisky is starting in the NFL again. Just let that sink in for a second. Heck. And next week, the Steelers will play the Patriots, and it will be Mitchell Trubisky against Bailey Zappi in the worst game of the season. Although I'm not sure the Patriots could do worse than they did this weekend after they gave up six points to the Chargers. Just six. And lost in a shutout. Yeah, yeah, it looked an awful lot like the Iowa Hawkeyes were playing in that game. It was not pretty. It it was not no, fun. But no, it, but it wasn't Michigan on the other side. It was the Hawkeyes against a very mediocre team. 6-0. The Hawkeyes against the Hawkeyes, maybe? Like, is that what practice looks like in Iowa City? Mm, probably. A couple field goals. 6-0 to zero in an NFL game, and... It's ironic that the rumors of Bill Belichick being done in New England so that he can go to Los Angeles and take the Chargers head coach job. Did we see it confirmed? Because there's no way the Chargers bring back Brandon Staley after scoring six points against the Patriots. And there's no way the Patriots should bring back Bill Belichick after failing to score against the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers' defense has been all-class bad this season. Jared Goff, Jordan Love, a handful of other guys, they've all had career games, I should say season games, this year against this version of the Chargers' defense. Outside of one game where Khalil Mack had six sacks, they've done virtually nothing all year. They're not good. No, they're not, and neither are the Patriots. And I think this is a weird thing to say as a football fan in the 2000s i think we can say the new england patriots are the worst team in the nfl they're certainly bottom two the toss-up between them and the panthers 
is awfully close. (laughs) But we thought the Panthers would be bad. We didn't expect the Patriots to be terrible, and they are terrible. But also, as an NFL fan of not the Patriots for the last 25 years, uh, to New England fans who may be upset about how it feels this season, welcome to our life. Yeah, wipe your tears with a Lombardi and cry me a river. We have dealt with you for our literal entire lives, and you are just now experiencing what it feels like to be irrelevant. Yeah, Boston fans in general are probably feeling it a bit right now. The Boston Bruins last year had the greatest regular season in NHL history, choked in the first round of the playoffs to the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. They're kind of getting a dose of what it's like to be a fan of literally any team not in the Boston area for the first time ever. Welcome to mediocrity. Most of us live here. Yeah. Yeah. Tough luck, guys. Tough luck. I'm not super sympathetic. And I am also not super sympathetic for the Kansas City Chiefs in their hopeful dynasty era getting upset by the Green Bay Packers in probably the most surprising game of the weekend. Yeah, I would definitely call it the most surprising game of the weekend. You and I have both been careful to not blame refs in a game this entire season and for a very long time. I still can't blame refs. Because I think if you put yourself in a situation where refs can have that big of an influence, mm-hmm. you don't really deserve to win. This was by far the most controversial game we have seen this season. Yeah, I'm not going to get fined for saying it. There were some terrible calls. There were terrible calls both ways, though, which yep. makes it hard to say it changed the game. And I will absolutely tip my cap to Patrick Mahomes and how he handles those questions. Repeatedly this season, and obviously after this game, Mahomes has been asked by reporters, you know, do you think refs are hosing you guys? And he said what you're supposed to say. It's like it's not about the refs. If we're in a situation where that's possible, we didn't do enough. It's my job as the quarterback to go out and make plays. I should not ha- have us in a situation where a bad call or a missed call can impact the game that much. That's franchise quarterback 101, so kudos to him for maintaining composure. I'm not sure I could do it. I'd be annoyed at best. Yeah, if I was to make a millionaire, I'd probably take the fine. I'd think about it. There is something different about a quarterback, though, that you, you're you the face. You're the absolute star, the centerpiece of a franchise, and the owner, the coaches, the PR staff, They want you to say the right thing and just be a good team member. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do. But I also think, man, if there was ever ever a game where you could have just lit up the refs, it was that one. It It was a tough thing to watch. The Chiefs fans certainly have a reason to be upset. Packers fans, there was a questionable roughing the passer going against uh, you guys as Patrick Mahomes went out of bounds. Gosh, just tough all the way around. Yeah, no, that that wasn't roughing the passer. If you guys watched that one, that wasn't roughing the passer. And if that's roughing the passer, 
Oh, boy. What has the NFL become? Not to sound too much like a boomer, but, like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the questions for the last couple years now, right? It's like, where are you allowed to hit the quarterback? How hard can you hit the quarterback? Can you put your full weight on them? Yeah, It's all, like, uh, what's happening here? It's just, it's getting to be a bit confusing. It is, and... That is not lost on some of the legends of the game. During the Monday night broadcast, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning do the Manning cast. And one of their guests this week was Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson. Call him what you want. And he threw out an idea. He was talking Pro Bowl, but threw it out of the old stars versus new stars as a matchup would be kind of fun to watch. And Peyton... I think seriously asked him, you know, who do you want for your quarterback if you're doing that? And he's like, oh, you. And Eli's like, no, 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 Peyton can't throw the ball anymore. Peyton assumed he was going to say Brady, recently retired, all-time legend. And Brady chimed in on Twitter after the Monday Night Broadcast and said, Ojo Senko, Randy Moss, and Tom Brady could drop 35 tomorrow. Given the rules protecting them today. You can't hit the quarterback. You can't maul the receivers. Even in their retirements, I don't know if he's going to drop 35. But, man, the way the rules have gone, Ochocinco would love to not be running across the middle with Ray Lewis lined up to kill him. Moss is still taller and a better jumper than a whole lot of cornerbacks who can no longer tear his jersey off while he's jumping. And if nobody can hit Brady, he can just stand there all day. Yeah, I'm still going to chalk it up as mostly exaggeration and sarcasm, though. At the end of the day, we saw Brady play last season. They won like seven games. You know, Mike Evans put up a thousand yards, barely, and he's, what, 20 years younger than those guys? That's a good point. I don't think it's realistic. But also, (laughs) shout out to Mike Evans for hitting a thousand yards again. And again. Tenth straight year, yeah. And again. I've ragged on him a few times. I stand by that. I want him to always be the superstar, and he has moments where he kind of falls short of that. But ten years in a row of 1,000 yards, never been done, super consistent. That's Hall of Fame credential stuff. Yeah, yeah. He tied the record for most consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Jerry Rice had done it before, but Jerry Rice didn't do it beginning in his rookie year. Mike Evans has done it every year of his career, including his rookie season, which, yeah, not even Jerry Rice, who played for, like, I don't know, 76 years or something like that. He didn't do that. Something like that. 49, I don't know. Before we wrap it up, still good, 49ers. That's the top of the power rankings. You beat the Eagles. That's a legitimate spot. No questions asked. Niners are on top, and I said it, and I stand by it. I have the Patriots as the literal worst team in the NFL. Yeah, yep, I am right there with you this week. I've got the 49ers. I moved your second team, the Ravens. I moved them up from number three to number two, so we're in total agreement in the top three of 49ers, Ravens, Eagles. I've got the Chiefs at number four, but I kind of am pained in saying that. I could move them all the way to six, I think, and not put up a fight about it. Sure. And then with my top five getting round out, I got the Cowboys. 
um, before my Lions are at six. I'm with you this week on the Patriots, number 32, Panthers, number 31, and then we both have the Commanders at number 30, bottom three. Yeah. No, some ugly teams that are going to need some serious transition coming up. There's a lot of football left, and for some of these teams, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, but pretty much the entire NFC North, it does matter. Quick look in on the North report. We both have my Lions at 6. We both have the Packers at number 11 after their win. You've got the Vikings at 19. I've got them at 21. And then the Bears, they've kept on rising. We both have them at 20. Yeah, Packers are on the up. And the Lions have been hanging out there in the top seven basically all year. Yeah, and they're probably not winning. They'll maybe win one playoff game. But at the end of the day, if we have two or three teams in the NFC North in the playoffs, that'll be fun for the podcast. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be <laughs> especially fun uh, when the Packers lose in the wild card weekend. <laughs> if they're playing the 49ers, then yeah, I don't think there's a person that's not wearing cheese on their head that's picking them. No, probably not. All right. With that, our office hours are officially closed, you guys. Thanks for hanging out. Share this with your friends. Share it with your mom. And uh, check us out on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Twitter. We live tweet games pretty much every weekend. We're out. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.